Okay, so just a little bit of background. I know I'm kind of new, so I try to give a little introduction of who I am, uh, my family maybe a little bit. Um, so this is really brief. Um, when I, has anyone heard the name of Dave Busby? I didn't think so. He was a preacher, um, a pastor, who really had a heart for youth. And as a kid growing up in church, my dad being a pastor, um, well, I didn't listen to him much, so <coughs> God had to put somebody else in my life. And one of the guys, his name was uh, Dave Busby. And I can't tell you um, everything that was wrong with his body, but he had cerebral palsy. He was, um, had a nerve damage of other sorts, and uh, he eventually died at a young age due to some kind of cancer. Um, check out Dave Busby. But, the, but when he spoke, it spoke like right into my life every time. And forgive me, I'm going to imitate him a little bit. <clears throat> he would be telling you a story, and he would be so intense about, I'm going to Taco Bell, or something. Like, like, just to, like his voice would raise, like to get your attention. And man, that got my attention. Uh, so, but one of the phrases that he loved, and he, he tells this story about being the smallest of his brothers, a um, whole bunch of them, and he never could play basketball, but his brother, captain of the varsity basketball team, would go um, one Saturday morning, little Dave Busby, he's really skinny, was coming up, and he's like, I'm going to play ball with the guys. He's like seventh grade, and these are like seniors in high school. And uh, so he's, the captain, obviously, his brother, won first pick of all 25, I think he said 25, 26, 27 guys, and he goes down the line, he points to Dave and says, I choose you. And little Dave runs up like it's a little seventh grader would and hugs his, and stops you know, sobbing and then he, they keep going through the basketball. And so of all those great basketball players, little Dave got picked. And he said, that day I was able to, and this is what he does, I was able to, to taste and see, like literally, like in my mind, in my body, I'm feeling like I'm tasting and seeing that God is good because he picked me and he picked you. And it, for, I will always remember that. And I was, uh, we were scheduled to go to a youth event where Dave Busby was speaking, but he passed away the month before and was never too, uh, I didn't, wasn't able to hear him again. But Dave Busby has some powerful mission, uh, ministry still on the internet. Um, check out his website if you um, find my sermon boring. Okay. A couple weeks ago, we talked about a heart and how what goes into your mind and your heart comes out. If you put good in, you put, get good out. If you put bad in, you get bad out. Um, we also learned that from childhood, from infancy, from birth, we are distorted. We are sinful. We're sinful people. And even our perfect little angels, as my Macy just turned four, um, yes, hello, sweetheart. She was taken out of the service for a moment because she was being her four-year-old self. So, from, from that we can tell that we have, uh, we have evil desires. We have evil um, in us from birth. People are saying, well, I was born that way. Well, yeah, you were. We were born into sin, every single one of us. After Adam, since Adam sinned, all sinned. We have all sinned. Huh, I could do Rex. Everyone say, I'm a sinner. Okay, now you've confessed it with your mouth. I'm gonna <clears throat> Let that sink in for a little bit because we are all there, all of us. And that means that we were born in, as an enemy to God and that God had to reconcile that, or we could, but there was no way that we could. So God had to. So the only way to God is through God's means, which is through Jesus. 
But until that happens, we have what's called a cold, cold heart. At least that's what I'm calling today. A cold, cold heart. And uh, I was trying to think, okay, we're doing songs, we're doing speaking and prayer. What could we do to really drive home the point? We could probably show some media. So let's show a video about a cold, cold heart. And now you have seen Frozen a little bit. The qu- <laughs> My kids watch this movie. I watch this movie. I like this movie. I'm not here to knock it. But we had the words up there on purpose. Sometimes you don't catch them all, right? A kingdom of isolation, she's the queen of isolation. She, she went away from her whole community and her family, and she's up kingdom of isolation. Don't let them in. Don't let them see. What does that sound like? My four-year-old, that's what, that's what that sounds like. No right, no wrong. That sounds like John Lennon. Uh, no right, no wrong, no rules for me. She's, she's creating her own, her own thing. It's a cold heart, and she's staying away from everybody, and it's isolated, and it's, it's not how God designed things. So I'm not making this a, a biblical thing against Frozen or anything, not by any means. But now my four-year-old daughter is thinking, don't let them in. Don't let them see. And she's, you know, using this as her, as, as her mantra, which kind of breaks my heart because I want, I want to be in. I want to see, and I want to help, and I want to teach, and I want to um, build up so she can do her thing, right? Well, that's what God wants us to do. That's what God wants to do in our lives. So as we look through the history of this book called the Bible, it's not going to be a long sermon, don't worry. As we look through the history, and you'll, you'll find this theme of a cold, cold heart all the way through. How many books are in the Bible? 66. Very good. I wasn't going to do too much Bible trivia um, because I probably would lose, but that's okay. We're going to split today's uh, sermon into two sections, and uh, we're going to talk about God in the Bible and God and man. And a little bit later, we're going to be turning into Genesis chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, back by the blessings box is a, is a couple of Bibles there. Um, please use it this morning. Please take it, read it. That's up to you. Um, but if you need a Bible, we're going to be looking into Genesis chapter 15 and 16. I'll kind of be glossing over some things. Um, so not verse for verse, but... Let me talk to you about this. That God created Adam. God created Eve. The Bible says that from the dust, God created man. But that also that sin entered through the one man because Adam sinned. Adam was told, do not eat this fruit, and Adam ate the fruit. Therefore he sinned, broke God's law, and he was uh, excommunicated out of the Garden of Eden. I'm not asking you that you, I'm not supposing that you know this. So I'm going to give a little bit of background, underlying thing that goes through the whole Bible. So if it's new to you, um, this is going to be kind of an introduction. If it's not new to you, maybe it's a refresher. So we're going to talk about God, the Bible, and uh, as soon as God created man and man sinned, man wanted to do his own thing apart from God, build a kingdom of isolation um, and, and be in charge of their own thing. And God was saying, hey, listen, I want to be your father. But the people said, you know, I, I want a physical father, some, somebody we can see, because after the Garden of Eden, when, they, when God walked hand in hand with, with Adam and Eve, that, that intimacy was, was severed. And so God wasn't able to deal and, and live and, and, and dwell in the sin world as much as he liked to in the Garden of Eden. So there was this, this separation. And so 
the people said, well, you, yeah, you say you're our father, but I want to see a father. I want somebody to, that I can see. And so God gives people like Abraham. Have you heard the phrase, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Those are three generations of people, of father-type figures in the Bible. Abraham, what is he known for? Well, a couple things. Let's review. Abraham uh, had two wives. I don't know if you say Hagar, Hagar, but that girl. And then Sarah. Actually, her name was Sarah, but God changed her name to Sarah. Abraham was promised. This is beautiful to me, so I'm going to say it. I left it out of my notes, but here's. In the old times, when they were going to have a, a vow or take some kind of um, covenant between somebody, they would take, plug your ears, anyone under 13, um, they would take an animal and they would sever that and drag it across in two different parts. And that B-L-O-O-D um, would, be, would be between there and the two people would take in a covenant instead of signing something, they would walk through and the blood would be with them and they would, so it's, it's like they did the same thing and that was their commitment to each other. God said, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Get these animals and we're going to do this, this sacrifice thing. So they did the animal thing, they did the thing and Abraham falls asleep. And in this, in this vision, God says, okay, here's my covenant. Watch this. You ready? You ready, Abraham? Okay, ready? I'm going to hold myself to this. Not with two people. I'm going to hold myself to this covenant, and I promise you, you will always have this covenant. So God walked through the covenant by himself, not with two people, but because God can hold himself accountable because God is, well, God. Now he had this Abrahamic covenant. So now that we have that in our minds... Let's think about this. Abraham had a kid. Two of them, actually. One through Hagar, or Hagar, and the other through Sarah. But Sarah was barren for so long. She was like, hey, Abraham, I've got an idea. We have this maidservant. Her name is Hagar, Hagar. Why don't you have a, a kid through her, and then that way I can raise, and that can be our family. So Abraham's like, all right. So they have a son named Ishmael. God says, yeah, I'm going to bless that kid because I promise you, you're going to have this covenant of many people. But that's not, I, it's not Ishmael. It's with Sarah. And when Sarah was, what, 99 and they were 100 years old, they had a kid. <laughs> I'm scared about a kid at 34. Yikes. Um, but God blessed Abraham with Isaac. And Isaac, let's talk about him for a second. What do we know about him? What's the biggest thing that we, we can think of? First thing that comes to mind was Abraham was sent up to a mountain with Isaac and was instructed to sacrifice him, take him on an altar, and they were going to do the sacrifice of Isaac. And God intervened, grabbed Abraham's hand, and said, no, I see that you're worthy, that I promised you was a line through him, but you were worthy, you were, you believed me enough to sacrifice your son. I know now that you're true. Here's a ram instead. So Isaac was saved. Now, we have uh, Isaac had a son named Jacob. Jacob and Esau, twin brothers, right? Or bro or, yeah, twin brothers. Were they twins? Yes. Got a little brain fart there. Okay, so Jacob and Esau. Esau was first, but Jacob was second. So the blessing should have fallen on Esau. But Esau sold his birthright to Jacob for a cup of soup. I hope that clam chowder or whatever it was was delicious because he lost everything. Um, and everything was going through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. So 
Esau lost out. But Jacob had his name changed to what? Israel. So the Israelites come from Jacob because Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Now Jacob had a whole bunch of sons. Do you remember? How many sons did he have? Twelve. Jacob had 12 sons. Or Israel had 12 sons. And one of those sons is Joseph. Yes, Joseph is the second youngest. And he went and was sold into slavery. By, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. And so this is the history of man that um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and who was Israel, who had Joseph, all of these, these people, they were born into sin. They had cold hearts. And, well, with Joseph, he was sold into slavery by his brothers. That sounds like something I would have done to my brother. I have three younger ones, but uh, I didn't, and they're all living today. Thank you. Um, so after Joseph was stuck in Egypt and he became second to Pharaoh, his family needed food, right? So his whole clan, 12 brothers and, and their families, they came over because Jacob, because uh, Joseph had built his little empire there, right? So all the Israelites came to Egypt. But that's not where God had promised Abraham the covenant. He said this other place. So the Israelites came up, what, one or two million Israelites were born into slavery because of what I'm going to talk to you in just a moment. So from there, Moses was raised. Anyone remember Moses? Moses is another one of these father figures who led the Egypts out of slavery. Ten commandments, the ten plagues, and and all these things. So, from the slavery and the cold hearts and the the, uh, traveling and all these things, we're finding that God said, I'm going to be your father. And they said, no, we want to see a father. And so we had good fathers and we had bad fathers. They said, um, when you had a good father, you had good days. Like, Joseph had good days, but then after Joseph's reign, there were bad days. So in the bad day, when he had a bad father, he had bad days. So God was like, I'm going to be your judge, and I will decipher what's right and what's wrong, and I will, I will tell you, and you will listen to me. And they said, yeah, but we want somebody else that we can see. So God sent judges. Can anyone mention a judge? Ha-ha. Samson. Samson was a judge. Big guy. He came and proclaimed judgment. Yeah? We also had... Um, Gideon, Gideon's fleece. God, if you really want me to be this judge person, make my mat wet, but the ground dry. Okay, so you did that one. Uh, make the ground wet, but my mat dry. Uh-huh. Okay, so I guess I'll be a judge because you did that too. So all these judges, they were up and down. And so, so throughout this whole history, when they listened to God, things were going great. When they stopped, people stopped listening to God, they went bad and up and down and up and down. We mean to father, we, don't, we have a bad father. We have a good father, we have a bad father. Up and down cycles over years. We have a good judge, we have a bad judge, we have a good judge. And, and then we're like, fine, we want a king. All the other nations in this world have a king. We want a king. God said, listen, I'm going to be your king. I will be your king. Trust me on this. They said, no, we want a king we want to see. So they had a king named Saul. And then after Saul was David. And after David was Solomon. And these kings, after Solomon, they were good kings and God gave them prosperity. When they were bad kings, they lost their lives. They lost wars. And it breaks God's heart because it's calling to his children saying, listen, I will be your sustenance. I will be your father. I will be your judge. I will take care of you. 
And the people are like, yeah, but I like this golden calf that we built instead. And it breaks God's heart because our hearts, our hearts are cold. So after the people were scattered by the, um, the bad judges, and the bad kings, and, and they didn't listen to God and other uh, nations came and conquered them. The people were scattered. The, they did the 12 different tribes and then the 10 tribes and the 2 tribes and all this is in your Bible, which is in Je Genesis chapter 15 and 16. Let me reread what uh, is written in Gen Genesis chapter 15. Starting in verse 12. As the sun was setting, Abraham, or Abram, sorry, fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. They will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. That's, you know, Joseph's people, right? The slavery. 400 years and years earlier, God's saying, Your kid is going to be in slavery. I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. That's the whole Exodus thing, yeah? When the Israelites, the million or two uh, Israelites, leave Egypt... You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not been reached its full measure. Um, verse 18. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, they give this land from the river, and he, he, he uh, gives it the borders of the, um, what we know as is Israel. Today. That's, what we, that's how we know it. So, here's God's promise. This will happen. Guess what happened? What God promised. And then they were in slaves. And then they were out and through Moses. And so all these ups and downs, we're finding that the people were like, I want food. And God provided manna. I don't like manna. I want meat. So God sent quail. And the people are just stomping their foot at God, even though God is with them there. Does that sound like us at all? Does that sound like you and me? So God sent prophets. Prophets like Jeremiah. Isaiah and Daniel saying, listen, God's going to do this again. God's going to do this. God's going to do this. And guess what? God did it all the time. But some of the things that they prophesied, these prophets prophesied, hasn't happened yet. For instance, yes, the Messiah came once as Jesus, but Jesus is going to come a second time. That hasn't happened yet. We're between those times. I don't know how long it's going to be. The Bible talks about a short period of time. Well, short in the eyes of eternity could be 16,000 years. You never know. So, after all these prophets were finally, um, nobody listened to them anymore, so prophets stopped coming. And there was 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So you see that? There's the Old Testament and then the New Testament's like that, right? Well, between those two, there's 400 years of silence. No prophets, no kings, no, no judges, nothing. And then all of a sudden, out of the darkness, a light comes. A voice in the desert eating locusts and honey and dressed weird. And he had this kind of vow. He had long hair and he was a voice in the desert calling, listen, the Messiah is coming. We haven't heard this for years. In the 400 years, the society built their own rules and their own regulations. But John, the baptizer, he wasn't a Baptist. He was actually one who baptized. So John said, listen, repent because Jesus is coming. The Messiah is literally coming like now. And so when he was preaching, John said, the Lamb of God is coming. Oh, look, there's Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And John baptizes Jesus. 
full submersion into water. That's why we do it that way. So God sends Jesus because Jesus never sinned, because Jesus was never wrong, because the Bible says that Jesus was God's son, nothing could have happened that was outside of God's will. So God, Jesus was the perfect father. Not like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who made bad decisions, but Jesus was the perfect father. Jesus was the perfect judge. When a woman was brought to him and said, this woman was caught in slavery, or in, uh, in, in adultery, what should we do with her? Can we kill her now or in like five minutes? Because one of the two is happening. And Jesus you know, did the little line on the ground and then said, whoever sins has no sin, throw the first stone. They all walk away. That judge was Jesus. Jesus, the perfect king who's always victorious, who is ever merciful and always providing. That Jesus established his kingdom. And that is the kingdom that we can see now. That is the kingdom that, that he's calling us to. To taste and see that Jesus is good. Jesus used his disciples, the 12. He handpicked them, especially Judas, especially Peter, and especially Matthew and, and all, the, all 12 of them. He picked them even though they would send him to his death. Jesus, the Son, the son of God, was able to conquer that death and provide an alternative to a cold heart. That Jesus can work in our hearts and turn our hearts from cold into warmth and welcoming and love. So we can mimic Jesus being merciful. We can mimic Jesus being loving instead of the world which is hate and I want and this is for me and isolation and cold. Jesus offers the alternative. Jesus used disciples. Jesus used apostles like Paul. Paul's like, kind of in his day, a present-day prophet saying, listen, this is what we need to do, church. And the church was like, you're right. That's what the Bible says. Let's do that. Paul encouraged the people. Paul discouraged, said, hey, this was wrong. and We need to fix this. Hey, good job over here. So now Jesus is using Christians, Christians like you and me, who say, listen, I don't think that's the way we should do it. That looks a lot like maybe that's the way you feel. But that's because we were born into sin. That's because our hearts are cold. That's because we are at enmity with God. Here's an alternative. Jesus' way. The Bible says this, so let's follow this. But that's in stark contrast. Yes. But God has a different way. No longer a cold heart but one that is warm and beating and, and, and life in it. That's why we sang Alive Again this morning. That's, because, that's why we sang it's all because of Jesus I'm alive, because God gives us that blood flow, that heartbeat, that life. If you want to flip over to 1 Peter, I've done a little bit of history on the Bible. The Old Testament goes, and there's those cycles of good and bad, and then there's the 400 years of silence, and then there's the New Testament, and Toward the end, really at the end of uh, the New Testament, you'll find 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, and Revelation. Revelation's the last one. So you might want to go from the back and count back like six or seven. 1st Peter chapter 2. He's telling the church, Peter's saying, listen, this is what it is. This is who you are as people. 
1 Peter chapter 1, let's start there. Verse 3, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and His great mercy, that God of mercy, then His great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. So, this is what Jesus and, and Peter is saying to us now. You have an inheritance as a child of God, and it's kept in heaven for you. Verse 10, concerning this salvation, the prophets, who we just talked about, who spoke of that grace was, that was to come to you, searched intently with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Verse 13, therefore prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Minds for action is not in the world. That's a God thing. Be self-controlled. That's not a world thing. That's a God thing. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But now you are enlightened, right? Now you know what Jesus is saying. But just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And then one of my most favorite chapters is in 1 Peter chapter 2, where you can really direct it toward yourself. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, which is the cold heart side, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good and he's merciful. Verse 9. But you... People are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness, out of coldness, and into his wonderful light. Once you were not people, but now you are people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers to the world, abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. That's a daily struggle for, well, at least me. Daily struggle. Live such good lives that among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. You people are chosen. You are a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood and a holy nation. This morning, if there's nothing else that can make you alive, it can be knowing that God chose us. That God's shared, didn't stay in heaven, but shared Jesus and said, listen, well, I have a new way for you. But around, around us, the world is cold. Can we agree on that? I think we can. Jesus says that in the end time, remember that 16,000 years or whatever it looks short in the, in the light of eternity? At the end of those whatever years it is, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 4, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Anyone hear of wars? Rumors of wars? Oh, yeah. See to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes. Anyone hear of those recently? All these are beginning of birth pains. Verse 9, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. Well, we haven't been put to death yet, but some of us have been persecuted. Other lands they are. You will be hated by all nations because of me. And that's because you're speaking against cold. The cold will hate what, what we're trying to say. 
Verse 10, at that time many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. That means people that are in the church will lose faith and hate each other. That's a little disheartening to me as a pastor because, well, I want to see our church grow. I want to see our, our hearts being healthy. So that's why we have to be ever vigilant in the Word. If there were two sections of Scripture I can encourage you to read, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, up until next Sunday, is those two sections of Scripture we just read. 1 Peter chapters 1 and 2, and then this chapter, Matthew chapter 24. Because this is what happens. Verse 12 in Matthew chapter 4. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. So that would be, okay, so there's three sections here. These two sections, don't take this personally, your love just got cold, and this is the only one that, that the love of most will grow cold. Jesus is speaking that love of most will grow cold. Let us be vigilant that our heart does not grow cold. Let us not be stuck in the sinful ways, but, but be drawn to God's love and his mercy. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Don't let the bad come in and let bad come out of your life. Let the good come in. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. That means all of us who can stand firm will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. All of the nations haven't heard yet. That's why the end hasn't come. Right? That's what Jesus just said. All nations will hear, then the end will come. Let's get out and preach the word to all nations so that they can know that there's an alternative to a cold, cold heart. Because an act of true love will melt a cold heart. And that's what God did in sending his son Jesus. And he did that to me when I was young. Um, And it was something that uh, I'm forever grateful. And I... I feel like I always want to tell, talk about it because my cold heart was melted by God's sacrifice of sending his son, Jesus, died on the cross. And I'm going to kind of go out there a little bit and, and say maybe you had a cold heart walking in this morning. Maybe that uh, you've never accepted Jesus as um, that sacrifice in your life. Um, so I want to extend an invitation we're going to go into a time of prayer and we're going to close with that song we sang at the beginning. Don't let my love grow cold. Don't let the weight of this world bring me to my knees except to pray to you. So we're going to pray right now and uh, let's bow our heads. Lord, um, we're all born with cold hearts. <laughs> Every now and then we can see how, how cold we are when we react and, and, and hate and and discord and anger. So God, I ask that this morning, as we've been praying all week and, all, and, and this morning, that you would show up and you would do your thing. God, I pray that if there's a single cold heart in this room that has never accepted the warmth and the, the power of your love, God, they would, that their heart would be melted now, not because of a, a video clip or not because of a, a sermon or even because of the songs, but God, melted because they finally realize that they themselves can taste and see that the Lord is good. That this cold heart will be melted with the the sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross. 
Brothers and sisters, I tell you that Jesus died and the blood that he shed on the cross covers your sin that you committed this morning, that you're going to commit tomorrow, whatever happened a year ago or seven years ago. Jesus' blood covers that. And if this is the first time that that light bulb went off and it finally clicks that Jesus died for my sin, that I should repent of that sin, if this is that first time, I'm going to invite you to do something a little scary, but nothing too scary. Would you raise your hand? We're going to keep our eyes closed. I'm going to look around just so I can make, you know, have a connection with you. If somebody is realizing that they had a cold heart and this morning God softened their heart, would you raise your hand for a moment? About five seconds, that way I can see it. And God, as we are looking, as I am looking around, and I see people whose hearts have changed because I can see it in their eyes and I can see the hands, God, that you're doing a work, not just in this church, but in individual lives. God, I thank you for that warm heart that you can give us, the blood flow. We thank you so much for that sacrifice. And as Christians, Lord, would you continue to help us know that we can stay away from the cold, cold heart and ever live in a warm, powerful God life. Pray these things in your name. Amen.